Ladies and gentlemen, the Soccer by Ivis podcast actually exists. I am Garrett Cleverly. Joined with me is the main man himself, Mr. Ivis Galarsev. How you doing today, my man? Hey, Garrett. How you doing, man? I think uh, I think a lot of people are going to be pretty scared now that the end of the world is coming because the SBI podcast has finally been born. Finally. I, it's like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. I mean, it's all of those combined, right? Right. I mean, I, I tell you what, I could have made a lot of money betting people because I, I think everyone kind of lost faith after five years of waiting. Oh, I put money down. It was 10 to 1 odds. I mean, I'm, I'm cashing in today right now. I don't know about you. Nah, I should have. You know, I'm a gambling man. I love to gamble, but, uh, you know, that I, I missed opportunity there. Yes, uh, but uh, we are very excited to uh, start the show uh, for you all on this uh, excellent website. Uh, Ivis, I know you're kicking it down in Florida right now, man. H- how's life down there? You freezing your butt off? Uh, sad to say, it's actually 80 and sunny every day so far this this trip. Uh, I've been poolside a little bit, trying to work on that tan. And uh, but in 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 the in between time, I've I've been able to watch some soccer and and, and get some get some idea about how this draft is going to go on Thursday. Nice man, nice man. Like, dude, 80, 80. I can't. I mean, that's nice, dude. I'm I'm freezing my butt off here in Phoenix, man. It is like it's like 30 degrees right now. We're having like this bizarre cold front, and like no one in Arizona has winter clothes. It's quite comical to see everyone have like five shirts on because no one. Um, has any jackets. I'm quite jealous of uh, the poolside action you got going on down there. But speaking of good weather, though, the U.S. men's national team is in California. I mean, the weather is always good in La La Land. The roster uh, was unveiled the other day. Uh, lots of surprises. I guess you could say a lot of good surprises, a lot of bad surprises. I mean, interesting surprises where, where you scratch your head. I mean, Edson Buttle made the roster. Then he had some good surprises, you know, when you had the Scandinavian guys, Gat and Disgrude on the team. And then you had a couple other great surprises when you had Justin Murrow uh, make the team. Actually, mostly all the defenders uh, have actually never been capped before on the U.S. men's national team. And then for me, I was really happy when Tally Hall made the team. I mean, Ivis, what were your initial th- you know, thoughts and reactions when you saw the roster? Well, uh, you know, I think most people expected it to be MLS heavy, uh, it, but it was good to, to see, you know, players like Mix Discrude and uh, Josh Gatt and also Alejandro Bedoya, someone who, who really hasn't been in the mix uh, for a while now. I thought that was a positive sign. But like you said, there were some, some kind of head scratchers in there, like Edson Buttle, uh, Benny Fellhaber, two players who had pretty rough uh, seasons in MLS play. I think Benny Fellhaber is a little bit more of a unique case because he's such a skillful midfielder and he's done well for the national team before. So you could understand why Klinsman would want to still take a chance on him, uh, even uh, get, take a look at him, even though he, he came off a bad year. The Buttle one, that, that one for me was, that was a head scratcher just because I don't think he showed much at all this past year. You know, when you look at the the goalkeeper, you know, the, uh, the goalkeepers that were called in the camp, you know, it's I, I I think it's safe to say that Sean Johnson and Bill Hamid, those two guys have been tapped as you know these are the next two guys that will be starting for the team. You know, these guys are the ones that that, that you know when, when Howard's gone and when Guzan's gone, I mean these guys are the next guys. However, though, Tally Hall over the last two years has really made a name for himself and established uh, himself as as a guy who we should all start paying more attention to as a, as a possible maybe third guy. Uh, on the roster, is he the guy that we should really pay more attention to over Johnson and Hamid? Well, you know, he he's been been one of the more consistent keepers in MLS. He he's been very steady and 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 improved consistently uh, the past few years. Uh, as, as as far as the national team goes, you know, just from talking to people about his, his prospects there, I think there's some questions about on the international level, is he really a difference making goalkeeper? And you know, I think you can argue. He's ahead of where Bill, Bill Hamid and Sean Johnson are right now. But when you talk about upside and where they can go, you know, I think Tally Hall is pretty much where he, you know, he's pretty much at his ceiling. Whereas those other young keepers are, are, are projects that you, you kind of 
would like to see keep continuing growing and would like to see turn into elite level goalkeepers. So if anything, I think that's probably what Tally Hall's fighting against is that idea that, that he's kind of at his peak already. I always say this on my other show with John Arnold, that if Tally Hall wants more consideration, he needs to shave his head and get in line with the U.S. men's national team goalkeeping, no hair thing. I mean, that, that right? I mean, he should do that, right, Ivis? Well, yeah. Well, I don't know if he'd, he'd go for that because, you know, if you look at him, he's kind of going the complete opposite route, and he's got the, you know, the, the full beard going on, the completely, you know, hasn't had a haircut in forever and, and just all, all sorts of hair. So, who, you know that? He has the fact good hair. That he still made the fact that he's still got a call up with all that yeah, is pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, maybe he'll be the first one to uh, to break that trend. Uh, let's keep it though uh, MLS kind of related. Let's talk about Toronto FC and their coaching hire. Uh, very interesting when they hired uh, Ryan Nelson as their head coach. I mean, he's playing for QPR right now in the English Premier League, and it's not one of those where okay, he's on the reserves and plays a, a cup game here, plays in the FA Cup game here. No, 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 he's playing in the Premier League and getting significant minutes in the Premier League. And then to even make it more interesting <coughs> is he then goes, oh, well, I'm going to stay at QPR till the end of the month. Well, the draft's on Thursday. Toronto FC needs a coach now. I mean, I was, what, what that, what's going on up here? I'd say there's no question that the timing of it all and, and the idea that he's still going to keep playing is very weird. I think that's the word I kept hearing from people. It's just weird. Uh, it, as far as him as a coaching prospect, I like the idea of him eventually becoming a solid coach but as far as right now uh and 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 running the team and having a a coach a, a coach who's just come out of division three college uh serve as his top assistant i think that's the one that really had people scratching their heads as as, as asking if you're going to have a new coach a, a, a first year coach someone with no experience you have to have someone with solid pro credentials as your number one assistant and and they just don't have that. So, you know, I, I don't mind him missing the draft because, you know what, he just doesn't know this, this draft class. He doesn't know anything about, about the MLS player pool. So I don't think they're missing out in that regard. I think Toronto has guys uh, like Earl Cochran and, and even Kevin Payne who, who are, are probably going to be at that draft table with those, those, those top picks. But uh, when, you, when you talk about coming to the, toward the start of the season and the idea that you could have this assistant coach who, who, you know, who's not all that – his credentials as a pro coach are not all that impressive. The idea that that guy is going to be, could be on the touchline for Toronto FC's opener, that's the one where I'm just kind of like blown away by that. So for me, I like Nelson as a hire. I don't like that whole setup and the idea of his first assistant just not being all that impressive. Yeah, very interesting. And let's continue the, uh, the talk about dysfunctional franchises and their coaching hires. I know you reported a little, little, excuse me, a little earlier today that the New York Red Bulls have finally found a head coach. Take it away, my man. Well, as as hinted at uh, recently by Alexi Lalas on his podcast, you know, the sources have told me that Paulo Sousa has been hired as the coach of the of the New York Red Bulls, and it's probably going to be announced this week. Uh, he, they, I think, they're still dealing with some issues as far as just crossing the the, the T's and dotting the I's. But he's been give, been given the job; he's taken it, and uh, he, it'll it'll go down this week. It's 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 the thing that that that. that really just leaves me scratching my head still is that these teams would make these hires one so late before the draft which which you know it's it, it well it continues the red bulls trend of not really paying attention to the draft and taking it as serious but for a team like toronto fc when they have the first or the third pick I mean, wh what are they what do they they need a coach in there I, I just don't get why these dysfunctional franchises and i know it's almost unfair to say that but they keep making these off the field management issues and why do you think that these teams went with these i mean wh what is the, what, what what is your take on all of this I, it, I, to me it's baffling well the toronto job i can understand i mean i think kevin payne you know he, when he was hired as president 
he was given the keys to the castle and he wanted to hire his guy someone he can groom into being a, a top coach and and when you look at his track record in the dc if anything he showed that he's capable of finding good coaches to, to lead his team you know he hired bruce arena uh that those circumstances for people with with long memories uh, were uh bruce arena's hire was wasn't the easiest process either you know he had to pretty much let him uh, you know, follow through with coaching the Olympic team and, and other some other things that Bucharina still had to deal with. But he waited for him, and 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 he was rewarded with two titles. He hired he hired Peter Novak Novak when he had no experience, and he won an MLS Cup. And he hired Ben Olsen uh, when he didn't didn't have much coaching experience, and, and he's showing to to be a good coach. So you can understand uh, Kevin Payne's thought process, the the way they the the delivery of it, and and the final kind of process to to get to the point of hiring him and hiring that hiring his assistant. It's all looking a little weird, especially the fact that he's going to continue playing until QPR gets relegated. I think that's the one that blows people away. Uh, but I will say that the whole idea of getting rid of Paul Mariner at this point, uh, it, you, you wonder about the about the you know h- how good a move that is. Because for me, you know, Paul Mariner when he was at in New England, he was the brains behind the good all the good drafts that New England had when it was Steve Nichols head coach and Mariner's assistant. Paul Mariner developed a reputation as a really good drafter, had a really good eye for college talent. And, and the, you know, when you have the one and the three pick, you want a guy like that there. And now he's gone. Now it's, you know, Earl Cochran uh, is, is, from what I hear, he's the guy that's kind of running things as far as the draft goes. So, you know, he, he's, he's been there for a while, and I don't, I, I, I'm really kind of, you know, at a loss there as far as is he, is he going to be able to do the job. You know, I talked to Cochran yesterday. He sounds like he knows what he's doing, but you know, Paul Mariner for me, uh, you know, I really would have liked to have seen him uh, get a draft uh, to have a chance to run at least one draft at Toronto. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, they got the first pick on Thursday, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But let's 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 make this even more interesting, Ivis. Let's welcome in our first ever guest. He actually may be the first big. He may be actually playing for Toronto FC. That's Andrew Farrell. Andrew, how you doing today, my man? Hey, I'm doing good. Um, how are you guys doing? We are doing excellent college draft coming up for you. I know you're counting down the days. When you look back on your season at Louisville, I mean, you really established yourself as a player this year. You know, what changed for you? You know, what what really made you become the player that you are that everyone's so excited about? I think uh, what what helped me was uh, just playing with with some of the best guys in in college soccer, Um, playing with Nick DeLeon, you know, the Austin Berries, Kenny Walker, Colin Wolf, you know, playing with some of those top guys. Day in and day out really helped me uh, um, see like who who was gonna like how how to work on my defense and stuff like that and um, you know just uh, being on Coach Lowe, being uh, he's more of a defensive coach I would say and just learning different different things uh, there helped me a lot and um, just learned, I mean experience you know playing games I played a lot of games in college and and just experience of playing uh, uh, was a testament to that. We're down here in Florida at the combine, and uh, you know you've had you've had a couple of days in the books now. How do you think you've done? You've played both center back and right back. What, what do you think of of how you've played down here? You know, um, I think uh, my first my first I, I did pretty well. You know, I did uh, some of the things that um, a lot of people. I'm a athletic, and um, I took down a couple of you know as a center back. Um, second day, I think I did it well as well. Not as good as the first day. You know, I had a couple of mishaps here and there, but you know that happens with with getting another guy on your team. And I mean, not playing with them all year. Uh, I mean, you don't know how like the players play, you know. But um, I think it, all in all, the first two days uh, of playing, I, I did well, and uh, our team did well, which is always the most important thing. Uh, we got two wins, and um, 
just having fun down here with all the guys. It's a good experience. You know, as far as the decision to play, uh, you know, when you talk about players who, who are kind of a consensus number one pick, you know, some, a lot of times in the past, the, the, you know, that kind of player might sit out the combine. Was there any thought to that, or, or was it really important for you to come down here and, sh- and kind of show what you got? So you're asking if I, if I thought about not coming down to the combine? Right, just because, you know, I mean, you know you're going to be a top three pick. Uh, you know, a lot of teams like you at number one. Uh, so, you know, some, some guys might have just said, you know what, I'm not even going to the combine. I mean, it, did you, I mean, did, did that ever cross your mind, or did you definitely want to come and play? No, right. I mean, obviously, uh, um, I wanted to come down. Um, I mean, everybody uh, I've talked to, him, even my coach, Coach Willis, said it's a great experience to have, you know. There's not going to be another week where you're going to play with, like, the top, top, whatever, 50, 60 players of your age group down here. So it was a good experience. And, um, you know, I'm excited I came down. You know, obviously sometimes they say if you come down, you, you can get hurt or you can, like, hurt your stock or whatever that is. But, you know, if you come down and, and show what you can do, then, I mean, I think it's a good experience. And I, I've enjoyed it so far. So I'm glad I came down. Andrew, usually a mark of a good player going into the draft is one that signs a generation Adidas contract. You sign one. Uh, with two other guys the other day. How did that feel to put the uh, put your signature to that paper to sign that contract? No, it felt good. You know, it's a culmination of a lot of hard work. Um, even though it's just still a lot of work to go, um, it just it just meant a lot. You know, because everybody who plays soccer when they're little wants wants to be a professional athlete and professional soccer player. And uh, that dream came true the December seventeenth, I think it was, and it was one of the one of the highlights of my of my life. You know, and I'm just excited for it. Like I said, the new journey, and um, I'm thankful for everybody who supported me throughout my life and helped me get to the point where I'm at. So, yeah. Now, now, now Andrew, people know your background as a player, obviously Big East Defender of the Year and, and you're one of the top guys in this draft. But as far as your backstory, you know, you have one of the more interesting stories uh, in this draft, just, you know, your, your life to this point. Uh, you know, can, can you talk, shed a little light on that and talk about, about your upbringing and how you got to this point? Right. Um, well, I mean, I, uh, you guys know I lived in uh, Lima, Peru for half my life, I guess, because I'm 20 and 10 years. Um, and uh, I developed, I think I developed a lot of my soccer down there in, in South America. It's a different, a different style. Um, it's a little bit, not as physical as the MLS, you know, a little bit more finesse. I mean, even though the MLS is, is a growing league and has a lot of South American players and a lot of players from different countries, and it, it's becoming one of the better leagues, I'd say. Um, but I learned learned just to, I mean, not necessarily use all my physical attributes, but I think that's why um, the center back I have uh, uh, some of, some good feet, I, I guess you could say, good, better tech, technical abilities. Um, but, I mean, living through is fun, you know, uh, a lot more laid back, just uh, not not as stressed about stuff. I think that's what um, carried on with me and how I, how I am off the field, you know, just relaxed and just trying to have fun with some of the guys down here, so yeah. Do, now, do you surprise people when you start whipping out the Spanish with the with the heavy Peruvian accent? I mean, how often do you kind of pull that card on people who have no idea? I mean, if someone if someone is speaking Spanish, I'll, I'll try to, I mean, engage in conversation with them. Uh, I I usually uh I've lost a little bit of it because my most of my teams they, they haven't been really uh, Spanish speakers, but I talk with my brother all the time, uh, Billy. We, when we talk about soccer, which is like almost all we talk about is, is always in, in Spanish. So I still got a little bit of it. Nice. Uh, and you mentioned the position, uh, that the scouts down here. That, that's kind of one of the big questions as far as what is your best position. 
Now, obviously, center back, you played at Louisville, and you've also played right back and defensive midfield. What, what position do you think is your best position, and what position do you think is your, uh, what is your favorite position? Where, where, where do you kind of feel the most comfortable? Right. Um, I always get that question. Even Coach Will asked me that question before every season. And uh, I, I always tell him I'd like to play forward, but I know that's not realistic. Uh, but, I, you know, I think the versatility helps me, but also at, at some point you got to uh, develop into one position so you can, like, excel at that. I think uh, I played center back, like, most most time, I guess, in my college. So I think that's where I'm most comfortable right now. But um, I play, also played right back at the college level, and I think I, I did well. Um, down the time, I only played, like, maybe five minutes at, at right back. And I think I did all right, you know. I didn't really get that much time to to go at people and stuff like that. But, I mean, I think versatility helps me. And I can play center back. I can play deep, deep in the midfield. Um, as more of a def- I mean, any defensive role, I think that I, I could learn and, and be, become good at. So, Andrew, yeah. with the draft on Thursday, lots of players, uh, lots of commentators commenting on, on who's going to be first overall, who's going to be second. Let's say you had the pick of the draft. Who would you take number one? Right. I mean, I'd always say, I'd always say me. I love to be first, but I mean, there's, on my team, there's a couple guys that, I mean, Kyle, there's a kid, Kyle Becker, midfielder, he's real, he's I'm playing good. I mean, there's everybody. Everybody's going to make a case for, for being kicked number one, you know. Everybody's got their positive, everybody's got their negative. So, I think mean, I'll leave the picking up to the teams. Uh, one other fun thing, though, that did happen for you. I mean, as a center back, you don't have a, a, an opportunity to score many goals, though. But, but you did score a goal in uh, 2012 uh, this last pa- this past year. I mean, your, your, your one goal uh, of the season, and you actually got some top votes uh, for your team for goal of the year. I mean, how did that feel to put that, that ball in the back of the net? Oh, that was exciting, you know. Um, coach sometimes doesn't like it when I go forward, but I think it was off like a it was like a, a rebound off a set piece, and we got we kept them to play, and I was on the top of the 18, just sitting there, and uh, you know it's always exciting when you when the defender scores a goal because you don't really expect it. Did, did but, you um, did you not expect that goal? I mean, I, when I, once I got the ball, I knew it was going in, but no, I I didn't I didn't expect me getting the ball on top of the 18. If I just took a shot at it, you know, you never know. No, you can go in or not, but you might as well take a shot. Yeah, Andrew, you mentioned some of the Louisville guys like DeLeon and Austin and Kenny Walker. How much have you had a chance to talk to those guys? Have you kind of picked their brains on, on what life is like in MLS? I mean, I know they all came in as rookies last year and did well. No, yeah, um, I, uh, I'm pretty close with Austin. Me, Austin, and Paulo, both like, uh, are really good close friends. And um, Austin, actually, Austin and Kenny are both back um, in Louisville. Um, like kind of like this break before before I came down here, and I I, I mean Coach Lewis said it was a big good idea to talk to those guys, you know, just get get an idea what what it's like to be a pro and uh, like how they enjoyed it and the, their experiences, and so I think it's really important to, to talk to those guys before I even came down here, you know, to learn to learn what the do's and don'ts, you know. Uh, so the draft is coming up. I'm sure you've thought about the draft for some time now. What that day is going to be like. Have you have you given any thought to what your speech is going to be? You know, a lot of a lot of players talk about that speech and how big it is, and you know, it's the you, the day you turn pro. Have you have you put any work into that speech yet? I don't know. I think it's just. Um, I mean, I think with with practice, I've become a better a, a better public speaker, and uh, I think I mean I know kind of what I want to say. Uh, I don't know if I'll write it down. I'm write down a couple couple things I want to say, but do you want to give us a sample right uh, now of what you're going to say? <laughs> okay. I I mean I just, I just wanna like obviously like just thank thank everybody who supported me throughout my career and, and made the team come true. 
and thank me for the organization that, that decided to, to choose me and give me a chance and a shot at, at making my dream come true, obviously, and um, be excited for the new new journey um, and ready to ready to get get to my new home and then start a new beginning. So. Well, there you go, I mean, you MLS fans. You don't need to watch the draft. You, you already heard his pre, you know, his speech right there. So I'm go. thank you. <laughs> right. We appreciate that, man. No, yeah. <laughs> well, Andrew, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure today talking to you. If anyone wants to follow you on Twitter, uh, you are at Louisville05. Uh, good luck on Thursday. Good luck going forward with the career. We'll catch up with you down the road. All right, man? Thank you. No, I appreciate you guys having me on here. Uh, thanks. Have a good day. I, was, I have to say, I mean, Andrew has to feel so privileged and so blessed to be the first guest ever on the Soccer by Ivis podcast, right? I tell you what, the pressure's on him now because, you know, he has to, <laughs> have, he, and not only does, does he have the, the expectations of being Generation Adidas, consensus number one, now he has to go on and have a great career because he's the number one, he's the first guest on our show, and, and if he flames out, I, I think, I don't know if we'll get any other guests after that because I think people start saying that there's a jinx. Guy like him, he can go number one. I mean, I, I know, Ivis, you are pretty much the milk hyper of the MLS draft. I mean, your hair looks just like Mel Kuyper's. You have the same, you know, look as Mel Kuyper. I know you know everything that's going on with the draft. What are you hearing? What's the latest rumors? I mean, you were following this draft. You know, the number one pick, you said it might get traded. W what is your takeover on the draft so far? What, do you, what are you hearing? Well, I'd say this is one of the more wide-open drafts, and it's going to be one of the more unpredictable drafts of the past, I don't know, five, six years. Uh, there's so many wild cards in there. When you talk about Toronto having two of the top three picks and they could trade one or both of those picks, you have Chivas USA who, you know, it's anybody's guess what they're going to do, uh, you know, with their whole mandate of wanting Mexican-American players. So it's really tough to, to like, get a sense of how the first four or five picks go. And, and, and it's interesting because, you know, you can go back most years and, and you could pretty much project how the early part of the draft would go. I mean, last year, you know, the top six picks were the were the top six players on my big board in exact order. So, I mean, you kind of had it. You know, there were no surprises last year. This year, uh, there's any number of scenarios. I, I think the better bet is Farrell as the top pick. But but who knows? Who knows what kind of trades come off? And I, I mean, over you doing your, your mock draft, you know, there's other people have been doing their mock uh, mock draft too. I mean, people can continue to follow you on Twitter, obviously, if they wanted to follow the draft. But one of the cool things that you've been doing, though, is you've been doing a uh, you've been updating your mock draft to reflect, obviously, what you're hearing and, and what you're seeing. You know, you've been at the combine now for the last couple of days. You know, are there any players that have just, you know jumped out, surprised you, guys that you say, "Ooh, whoa, 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 who is this guy? I need to pay more attention to him. People need to get to know this guy." Any, any guys like that that are that are coming to your mind? Well, as, as far as complete surprises and players who weren't weren't on the radar, I, I wouldn't go that far as to say there's anyone like that who wasn't already on the radar. But as far as players who who who've boosted their stock the most, I think Kyle Becker, uh, midfielder, Boston College, is the guy who's who's made the biggest jump. You know, he he came off a, a bit of an injury hit season at Boston College. It wasn't really a good a good senior year for him, uh, so that kind of put him off the radar. But I think now he's come here and he's shown the qualities that had him so highly regarded before this past season. Uh, you know, he's a Canadian under-23 player. He was on the field for Canada when they upset the United States in qualifying last year. Uh, so he, you know, he, he's got the pedigree. And now here at the Combine, he's shown that he has the quality in midfield. And, and for me, talking to, to scouts and coaches and, and GMs uh, these last few days, I think he's the one who's really impressed the most. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, I, so far right here, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at your mock draft right here. I mean, you had him down at, at 18 with the impact, but, I mean, is, is a guy like him, I mean, will he jump up to top 10 possibly? Uh, absolutely. I'd say right now that's a very good possibility. You know, c coming into the combine, I, I, you know, I had him the, in the months leading up to the, to the combine, I had him anywhere from, you know, 18 to 25, 
And the reason he was that low is because of his status as a Canadian international. You know, when you talk about the other teams, the non-Canadian teams, he, he would count as an international player. So that, that's kind of a, a strike against him. But what he's shown here is that, you know, he, with the quality of player that he's shown here, he, I think he's proven that, that he's a player that, that is worth considering for an international slot. So I, I don't think that's necessarily weighing against him anymore. And a big thing for him is the fact that there, there are so many, Cana- so many teams, Canadian teams with picks in the top ten uh, picks of the draft. Toronto has two picks. They have the first and the third. Vancouver has two picks. They have five and the ten. And then you have Montreal with the eight. So right there, that's half of the first ten picks are held by Canadian teams. So right now, you know, the key for him in this combine was to show that he'd be worthy of one of those top ten picks. And right now, you can definitely make the argument that he's he's shown he's good enough. And right now, I I have I I do not see him falling past the ten. Well, those Canadian teams, I mean, all of them could definitely use a, a good shot to the arm with some good young talent coming through their system. And speaking of good young talent, another guy that's projected to go, uh, I mean, at least in the top five, that's Walker Zimmerman. Uh, he actually was not at the MLS uh, Combine uh, this past couple of days, but Ivis, uh, I know you had a chance to sit down with him and ask him a couple questions about the Combine and about the draft overall in general. And here's that interview with Walker Zimmerman and Ivis right now. We're here this morning with uh, Walker Zimmerman, defender from Furman, and uh, one of the top players in the MLS draft for 2013. Walker, how are you doing this morning? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, y- you're, you're missing out here on the sunshine down in uh, Florida. How tough is that? I- I'm sure you're wishing you could be down here. Yeah, definitely. I'm a little disappointed uh, not being able to be down there, but... T- tell me a little about the... So, so you're, you're, you're uh, nursing an injury right now. What? Could t- talk to me a little about that. Yeah, yeah, I got some inflammation um, in the in the pubic bone and the pelvis that we're getting taken care of. So I uh, was trying to be on top of it and uh, trying to get get after it early before it turns into anything too serious or, or anything chronic. So right, and and did, how long how long have you been uh, dealing with that right now? Yeah, I've been dealing with it uh, for a little while now. Um, it was first diagnosed as a little groin strain. Um, now we're we're on to is the inflammation instead. So uh, you know, dealing with it for you know months now. Um, but now that we're on the right thing, um, the healing should be faster. So now, now the uh, draft is coming up on Thursday, and uh, as you know, you're 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 one of the top prospects in it. You're probably going to be a top three pick. How much are you looking at that? How much are you thinking about where you might wind up? Uh, well, you know, there's not really much in my control. Um, obviously, can't be down there at the combine to try and my stock or anything like that, but I'm just looking forward to, to playing in the MLS and looking forward to whatever team will, will take me. Yeah, so. As far as the decision to, to, to go pro, uh, how tough a decision mm-hmm. was it to, to come out n- uh, now when, when you finally decided to do it? Um, I think I think it was definitely the right time. Um, it wasn't much of a, a decision for me after I found out um, that I had a good chance of getting a generation to get his contract. Um, I called Coach Guy, Doug Allison, um, We've been talking about it towards the end of the season, and we both knew it was time. Um, so it wasn't wasn't like I contemplated it too hard uh, there at the end of the season. Right, and, and uh, I, I know you're, you're part of the U20 setup, uh, U.S. Under 20s. Uh, they have qualifying coming up. You think you think you'd be ready to go for for the qualifying tournament? Um, you know, we'll see. I'll do everything I can uh, to get back. Um, it would be kind of a quick recovery if I could. Uh, me and Tyler had talked about it. Um, and so, you know, it's untimely injury, but we're going to see what happens. There's always a chance. But um, right now, it'd be, it'd be tough to get back. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Right. And, and as far as your your, your uh, makeup as a player, 
there is you know you're not down here so it's you know so a lot of people aren't going to get to see you. i'm sure scouts already are aware of you from the u20s and, and your time at Furman. but for someone who hasn't seen you play how, how would you describe your game if you were kind of you know describing your, your your makeup as a player how, how would you describe yourself yeah um i think growing up i was an athlete who played soccer um i really turned into a soccer player who's an athlete um so i think a lot of my athleticism would have shown up um, at the combine um I have a big frame, so it's, it's good for aerial balls um, and set pieces uh, on the offensive end. Um, and tactically, I've been playing center back for a while, so I think uh, tactically would have been good. Um, wanted to show off intangibles like leadership. Um, so it's, it's unfortunate not being at the combine, but it's, it's all good. I'm, I'm feeling good about, um, about the future and uh, hopefully having a good, good time at MLS. Now you mentioned the leadership uh, aspect. Now you're a young, you're a young player. How, how old are you right now? I'm 19. You're 19, uh, right? And and but I've heard I've heard some great things, uh, you know, about you from some coaches, uh, coaches of yours. Uh, I, do you feel like you, it sounds like you're pretty confident that you that you can come in at, uh, into the pros even at 19 and, and and make an impact? Is that is that how you feel? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot I'm going to be learning um, from these older players and guys who've been in the league, and so I'm excited to learn and develop. Um, under different coaches. Um, at the same time, I feel like uh, you have the work ethic. Um, and I have, I think, what it takes to, to make it in the league. So I'm just, I'm just looking forward to trying it out and, and learning from these older guys, learning from these different coaches, and, and giving it my best shot. Right. As far as non-soccer stuff uh, uh, about Walker Zimmerman, what would be the most interesting non-soccer thing that pe- that you you think will, uh, people find interesting about you? most interesting non-soccer thing? Um, let's see. When I'm not playing soccer, uh, actually, I like to read a good bit. Um, I like to play video games with my brothers when I'm home. Right. Um, then I got a big animal lover, so I love, love my animals. Uh, what's your favorite animal? Um, I, I'd say my dog. Um, dog's pretty old. It's like 18 years old. Oh, wow. Blind, blind and deaf and diapers, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we have a good time. She's, she's growing up with me, so we're, nope. we're pretty bonded. Nice, nice. Well, well, Walker, uh, thanks for the time and uh, good luck on Thursday. I'll see you uh, up in Indianapolis and uh, good luck with it. Good luck with the draft. I'm so glad you had a chance to hunt him down. I mean, a guy like him, he has a lot of potential going forward for his career. Uh, when when you talk about the top young defenders coming through the pipeline, you you, you definitely have to look at Walker Zimmerman. I know people like to project uh, the future as far as future lineups for the World Cups, and if you talk about 2018, I'd say Walker Zimmerman. If you put a gun in my head and then ask me to pick a 2018 team, I, I think he's someone you'd, you'd probably put on a team right now. If you think about it, he's 19, and uh, 2018 is five years from now. He, he'd be about 24 years old. Uh, he could be in the prime of his career, and uh, if he's as good as a lot of scouts and coaches are telling me, then uh, he, could, he could be in Russia in, in uh, five years. Ivis, in five years, how old are you going to be? What, 60 at least at that point? Oh, wow. Listen, I, I don't know how old I'll be, but I know you'll look a lot more like Alexi Lalas in five years. <laughs> I thought we were gonna go the. To, I thought we were gonna at least go one show without without Alexi Lawless uh, reference right there. Hey man, you pull the age card. I gotta pull the Alexi card. Dude, I, I tried out for FC Tucson PDL team, and I walk off the field, and I tried out for. I mean, I'm not gonna make a PDL team. I'm not that good, but I was doing it because I thought it'd be fun, and I could write a hilarious story about it. And I walk off the field, and the first thing this guy says to me, this newspaper reporter down in Tucson, he looks at me, and instead of going, "Hey, what's your name?" he goes. Are you Alexi Lawless's love child? I'm like, dude, you gotta be kidding me. That's terrible.
Oh, man. And everyone's now going to go look up a picture of me and, and go see it. And, and you're more than welcome to everyone. I, I, I kind of look like him. Well, that wraps it up for the, uh, for the Soccer by Ivis podcast uh, today. Ivis, do you have any final comments as we close out the show? Well, I, I just tell everybody to, to be sure to keep checking in SBI for our, our combine coverage and our pre-draft and draft day coverage. We'll have live commentary on draft day. Uh, for most people that know, it won't be broadcast on television, uh, but there'll be streams of, of the draft, and we'll be there in Indianapolis uh, covering it. So be sure to check out all the live coverage. Yes, and, and check out the rest of the website, as Ivis said. I mean, your mock drafts are impressive enough, and you have your notes from the combine. Uh, that people can check out and get familiar with all these guys who are going to be coming up and uh, making names for themselves throughout the MLS season this year. Well, that wraps it up for the Soccer by Ivis podcast. We want to thank everyone for joining us. Andrew Farrell, Walker Zimmerman, for Ivis Galarsep, I am Garrett Cleverly. This is for the Soccer by Ivis podcast. Thanks for listening.